0: reading this morning is Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 through 17. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me seventy of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting, that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Our second reading is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share, the glory, share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Our third reading is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, so that he will not fall into disgrace, into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, not but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in in their faith in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord.
1: Ordination is the biblical practice of setting a person apart for a special form of ministry or service to God. I'm ordained. I'm ordained as a pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA, the tradition of the Christian church. Doesn't mean I'm better, doesn't mean I'm worse than anybody else. I am just set apart for a special, maybe more intensive form of ministry. In our tradition, as in many Christian churches, ordination is always done in worship with prayer and the laying on of hands. In the book of Acts, we hear how the Holy Spirit calls the church to send off Paul and Barnabas on on a special missionary journey, and the church gathers around them and lays hands on them and prays for them and sends them off. And we will end our worship service this morning by ordaining new elders and deacons in our church with prayer and the laying on of hands. Uh, Installation means that there are those who have previously been ordained, but they're being called anew again to the ministry, and they're serving again. I know installation, it kind of sounds like you're a car part or you're software, but you're not. It's elders and deacons. Now, every Christian is called to ministry. We are all given gifts by the Holy Spirit to use for the building up of the church to serve all people in the name of the Lord. There's no one who doesn't have gifts. Everyone serves in some way. You might teach. You might organize, you might serve, you might pray, you might encourage, you might sing. Serve in any number of ways, but some people are called to special ministry. And in the Presbyterian tradition of the church, pastors and then elders and deacons are called to dedicated ministries. Elders are called and charged for the spiritual care of the entire church congregation, and also to manage all aspects of the church. The biblical word for elder is presbyteros. I've said this before, and that gives us our name, Presbyterian. Uh, a Presbyteros is the word for elder, an elder. Uh, and, and we are Presbyterian because we are led by elders or presbyters. Elder doesn't refer to age, it refers to a role. Elders oversee the worship the discipleship, the finances, the facilities, the staff, and all aspects of this church. Now deacons, they are called to a ministry of care, of service, of compassion. The biblical word for deacon means one who serves. And deacons are deacons. They will go to hospitals. They will provide meals and families where there's sickness. They will do our memorial service receptions or funeral Uh, receptions among many other things and whether a church is mega or tiny whether a church is large or small every church has a way of doing things even the most casual of churches has an order it might be a very unofficial order but there's an order there and the Presbyterian tribe orders ourselves with elders and deacons Now, these special ministries are found in the scriptures, and these roles go back centuries in the Christian church. Uh, The ancient world had elders who were responsible for the welfare of communities, and when Israel moved through the wilderness, led by Moses, Moses came to a point of burnout, and the people were complaining, and things weren't going well. And Moses fiercely complained to the Lord about how things were going and all that he was having to do. And the Lord told Moses, he says, okay, bring 70 of the elders of Israel to me to the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting was the place of worship. It was the place where Moses would meet with the Lord. And the elders were to come from the leaders, from the officials of the people. And the Lord endowed the elders with His Spirit, with the Spirit of God. And the Lord said to Moses, They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. No pastor, no priest, no minister needs to or is supposed to do it all themselves. Leadership in the church is a shared responsibility. And as we go on and read that story that comes in the book of Numbers, all the elders begin to prophesy and speak the word of the Lord. Now, previous to this, only Moses had been the one who speaks the word of the Lord. Joshua, Moses' right-hand man, hears this and says, "Uh uh-uh, Moses, tell him to stop. And Moses said, are you kidding me? No way. Would that all people had the spirit of the Lord and would speak for him. Would that all people would care and envision and plan and teach and serve because it can never be all about one person or all on one person. It takes a range of people. The New Testament church was led by elders. And deep in the New Testament, in the letters that we find there, Peter writes in 1 Peter to the elders of that church and he charges them, he says, you be shepherds of God's flock. Now, we know what shepherds do. They care for, they nurture, they feed the sheep. And that's what elders are supposed to do for the church. And notice Peter calls, it, calls them God's flock. You are God's flock. The church belongs to God. We are God's people and the sheep of his pasture. We are not Phil's flock. We are God's flock. Peter gives further instructions to the elders to shepherd the people, people willingly, not grudgingly, to not do it for dishonest gain. He says, be eager to serve and don't boss people around with your authority. And Peter tells the elders to be an example who serve under the chief shepherd. Well, you know who that is, Jesus Christ. He is the chief shepherd. We're the little shepherds. And everyone is to clothe themselves with humility as they serve. Leadership is not done with arrogance, but with the same humility that Jesus Christ showed. In one of his letters to Timothy, who was a young pastor in a place called Ephesus, Paul writes about overseers. This term was interchangeable with elders. We we aren't even exactly sure the structure of the early church leadership. Remember, it, it was brand new. It was just forming. They were just figuring it out. Um, but Paul goes on to list 14 qualities of an overseer or of an elder. He lists 14 different qualities, and you can read them in the text in First Timothy. Then he goes on to write about deacons. One reason the early church spread so quickly is because of the extraordinary degree of care that the early church showed to the sick and to the poor, and to the helpless, and to the uh, widowed, and to the orphan. And deacons still lead this work today. And Paul then lists qualities of what a deacon should be. And here, and in other places, I'm struck, whether it's Paul or other leaders writing in the church, they don't say much about what leaders do as much as they write about what leaders are to be. They don't write a lot about what leaders do, almost nothing. They talk about what they're supposed to be. Because when you get the right person, character, quality, you've got the right leader. Christian character formed under the imitation of Christ is primary. Now, in our large denomination, we have something called the Book of Order. It's basically our manual for how we do kind of all the nuts and bolts of the church and the reasons why we do it, and we need this because I wouldn't have a clue how to do certain things if we didn't have it, but the Presbyterian Book of Order tells us that all pastors, all elders, and all deacons, that the standard for all ministry is that of the Lord Jesus Christ who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ is who we are to pattern our lives and our ministries after. If he loved, then we love. If he prayed, then we pray. If he sacrificed, then we sacrifice. If he was dependent on the Father, then we are dependent on the Father. If he was humble, then we are humble. If he was bold, then we're bold. Jesus Christ is the standard of ministry in his church. Elders and deacons come from the formal membership of our church, they are not handpicked by the pastor, they're not handpicked by other elders. They're called by a a committee of people, our nominating committee each year, and this committee meets, and they pray, and they talk, and they speak to those they sense God might be raising up to be the officers in this church, and then after people agree, some decline, but after people agree, their names are brought before the congregation, and they're voted upon, and those of you who come to our dinner and congregational gathering at the end of every October, you know how this works, maybe some of you have been uh, the victim of that, and um, You've been uh, elected, and uh, it's all done with prayer. It's all done with discernment. It's all done with the leading of the Holy Spirit, and it takes several months. Church officers are not perfect. We're not looking for perfect people, nor do they have all the answers. And often when someone is asked to be an elder or a deacon, the the response we get is, "I, I don't think I'm adequate, and I don't think I'm worthy. I think you've got the wrong person. Paul writes to Timothy in, in when he's writing about the elders in 1 Timothy 3 there. The first thing he says is, well, elders are to be without reproach. Well, that whittles down the field to like no one, right? Now we've got no one we can ask. Um, who can say they're without reproach? But the sense of that phrase from the larger contact is not that elders are to be perfect, but that there is a sense of wholeness to their lives. They, there is a strong maturity and responsibility and wisdom and virtue and faith in a person's life. They are not uh, seen suspiciously by other people. Other people are not complaining about them. Uh, there is a wholeness in their lives, and that wholeness is growing. Elders and deacons, any more than pastors, are not perfect, but they are able to rely on God. Elders seek God's discernment, and his will for this church. Deacons allow God to lead them to the people who are in need. Churches belong to God, not to the guy preaching the scriptures in the pulpit. Again, together we are all the body of Christ, and we serve under his lordship, and it is why lay people lead lead here. And one of the wondrous things about leadership in so many churches is that God uses all types of people to nurture his church. For gosh sakes, he uses insurance salespeople and doctors. He uses stay-at-home moms and retired old guys. He uses teachers and ski bums. And, and no leaders look all the same, and there are different flavors and shapes and sizes and life experiences and backgrounds. In her book, Spiritual Leadership for Church Officers, uh, the pastor, Joan Gray, says, churches come alive in new ways. When clergy and laity, when pastors and laypeople both catch a vision for mission and are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Expecting spiritual combustion to happen only through the efforts of the pastors is like expecting a match to set fire to a pile of wet logs. Depending on how wet the logs are, even a blowtorch might not do the job. Churches face staggering challenges and opportunities. In such a time, nothing is more important than leadership, specifically the quality of the spiritual leadership of the church officers. I have seen firsthand over and over again how the wisdom and the gifts And the patience and the trust of elders and deacons in our church have brought stability to crises, have brought health to things that were broken, and have just brought general strength to the many ministries of this church. And and let me just say, MOPC, as your pastor, we have good elders and deacons. I sign off on every one of them. And, and, and the groups as a whole. Boy, this church is just led and served by super people, and I think that's one of the reasons why we have the spirit and the strength in our church that we do. And in the Presbyterian flavor of the Christian church, ordination is for life. You're stuck with it. Uh, an individual may not always be serving on the session of elders or on the board of deacons, but your ordination is something you carry with you for life. It's a spiritual reality. And that ordination is effective no matter the local church you're in. You might be ordained as a deacon in a church in Minnesota, and you come to the church in Utah, and you are, ordi- and your ordination is good here too. You're recognized as a deacon. Uh, how many of you, by the way, maybe uh, you, you've you've been ordained as elders, deacons? You are, but you're not currently serving on the session or on the board of deacons. How many of is that as you that are ordained? Yeah, many. You continue. Our elders and deacons, they serve for a three-year term and then they're off uh, because they just can't live with me any longer. Three years is about all you can do with Phil. And then after a break, after a period of time, they are asked to serve again sometimes, and often they do. Being an elder or a deacon is not just going to meetings. Uh, It's not just sitting on a board. It's not just getting things done because lots of organizations have boards and meetings. There's nothing special about that, is there? Being an elder or a deacon... In a church is a spiritual calling. It is God's church and spiritual health is crucial to the strength and to the ministry of a church. And in order for the life and the love of God to flow through church leaders, churches, we need leaders and people who are seeking and opening themselves to God's life and love. I suppose elders and deacons constantly have to keep in front of them the question, okay, what is God leading us to be and do in the place that we find ourselves? Elders and deacons, you who are elders and deacons there, put yourselves in a place where you can hear God. And the Holy Spirit will fill you, and he will speak to you. And the beauty of this is that we don't have to do it alone, but that we do it in service with others. I hope you as a congregation, MOPC, that you will pray for your deacons and your elders and you will encourage them and you will support them. You know what? They have jobs, they have families, they have personal concerns, they have burdens in their own lives, but they take responsibilities for which we all benefit. And they are giving their time and they are serving and they are sacrificing. Leadership can be incredibly joyful. It can also be burdensome. Leadership can be fulfilling. It can also be boring. It can have times when it's just really, really slow, and then there's times when it's just greatly exciting and inspiring to lead. To those who are currently serving as elders or deacons right now in this church, and to those who are going to be ordained and installed this morning in just a moment, you get to lead Christ's church. And that is a high privilege that we all share. And in doing that, you, you get to lead an imperfect place. It's imperfect because the pastor and the people are imperfect. There are problems sometimes, just like we read about problems of those churches in the, in the New Testament, in the Bible. But God, through His grace and through His Holy Spirit, uses the imperfect ministry of a church to touch people's lives, to touch this world. It takes prayer, it takes dependence on the Holy Spirit, it takes discernment, it takes endurance, it takes courage, it takes love, it takes joy, it takes grace. None of us are complete in any of these things. We grow into them as we serve. That's one of the connections between our baptism and ordination, I think. Just as baptism doesn't mean that we are complete now as Christians, but baptism is something I grow into my whole life. So ordination is something I think we grow into. We are called because we have the gifts to lead, but we grow and learn to do and be elders and deacons as we do it. You know, the best times maybe of being an elder or a deacon might be when you are tired, and you are feeling uninspired, not, not very close to God at all. And you're asked to do something. Uh, you have some responsibility to fulfill, maybe serve communion, maybe help someone, maybe be present for something, because that's, that's when we get to the heart of God. Jesus didn't say, well, if you love me, you will feel close to me. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we get to lead and nurture the very body of Christ, the bride of Christ that was birthed by His Spirit, that was begun by Jesus, who came, who lived, who died, who rose again, who went to be with the Father and then sent His Spirit upon His leaders and said, I'm entrusting this whole thing to you. And here we are today. (laughs) Did He know what He was doing? I don't know what other churches think they are or what they're about. I know some. They're very good. But the mission of Mount Olympus Presbyterian Church is to invite people to experience Jesus Christ and be his passionate followers. And that's what we're trying to do in all our ordered and disordered ways, in all our well-thought-out, planned things, and all our spontaneous, kind of chaotic things. And elders and deacons... You are vital to that. And so I would like to ask these people to come forward. To be ordained and installed as elders, and as I call your name, come forward. To be ordained and installed as elders, Brenda Alcorn and Chuck Graybill. And to be installed, again, as an elder, Lori K. Jones. And to be ordained and installed as deacons, Alex Baskett, Aaron Hackwith, and Yoko Nuttall, and to be installed again as a deacon on a Harry Van Heen. Just come and stand here in the front. I've asked Elder Kathy DuPont to assist with our ordination this morning. You can turn around and face the congregation. Just a second, Kathy. Let me ask. To Alex, to Lori, to Anna Harry, and Aaron, and Yoko, and Chuck, and Brenda, these questions we ask you of your faith and your desire to serve, questions of your ordination, your <laughs> vows. First of all, do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, and acknowledge Him, Lord of all, and Head of the Church? And through Him, do you believe in one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? If so, say. And do you accept the scriptures of the Old and the New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and the authoritative witness to Jesus Christ and the church universal and God's word? Do you? And do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of our reformed faith and our confessions? And will you be instructed by these as you lead the people of God? Will you fulfill your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? Will you be governed by our church's polity and abide by its discipline? And will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them under the order of God's word and spirit? Will you in your own life seek to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and love your neighbors and work for the reconciliation of our world, will you? And do you promise to further the peace and the unity and the purity of the church, do you? Will you pray for, will you seek to serve the people with energy and intelligence and imagination and with love? For Brenda and Chuck and Lori as elders, Will you be faithful ruling elders, watching over the people, providing for their worship and their nurture and their service? and will you share in the government and the workings of our church? and in your ministry will you try to show the love and the justice of Jesus Christ, will you? Yoko and Aaron and Anna Harry and Alex. Will you be a faithful deacon? teaching love and earning co- urging concern and directing the people's help to the friendless and those in need. And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and the justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? Uh, Kathy DuPont will now ask questions of you, the congregation.
0: Do we The members of Mount Olympus Presbyterian Church accept these people as elders and deacons chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? If so, say, we do. We do. Do we agree to pray for them, to encourage them, to respect their decisions, and to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is the head of the church?
1: We do. I'm going to ask for prayer and the laying on of hands that other Ordain people of any tradition of church, pastors, elders, deacons would come forward and ask if you would turn around and if you're able, you can kneel. If not, feel free to stand as we come and lay hands on you and pray for you now in this morning. can make it over there. Yeah. Yes, over there. Let's pray. Holy Spirit. we ask you to rest upon Brenda and Chuck and Yoko and Aaron, rest upon Anna Harry and Lori. And Alex, and that you would heighten the gifts you've given them to serve your people. That you would equip them with all they need to be faithful elders and deacons in this church. We pray that you would encourage them when they are discouraged. That you would strengthen them when they are weak. That you would inspire them, Lord, when they're just not sure. When they're perplexed, give them wisdom. Give them understanding and give them your heart, Jesus, so that they can see things and people through your eyes and that they will put themselves in places where they can hear your voice. Lord, bless their hands, bless their hearts, bless all that they do. We thank you that they've answered this call, Lord, that you've given to them to serve. And so we pray your blessing on them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, to Brenda and Chuck and Yoko and Aaron and